Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Rinkwine, Vancouver. Coming off one of their best offensive outings of the season on Saturday in New Jersey, the Vancouver Canucks stepped up a weight class and upped their game accordingly as they skated into Madison Square on Monday night and soundly defeated the New York Rangers by a score of 6-3. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson joined once again by Irf von Gaffar and Irf. Canucks have had some good wins this season, but there's been some talk about how do they stand up, how do they measure up against other top teams in the National Hockey League. I would say start to finish, I'm putting this one right up there near the top of the list of complete efforts for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, absolutely. The New York Rangers were tied with the Boston Bruins heading into this game as the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And... The Vancouver Canucks did some work on Broadway. Yeah, I know they lost to the Rangers in overtime here at Rogers Arena, but they went in their building and took care of business in a big way, Jeff. A dominating performance, I think, in all facets of the game for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll definitely dive into it. Elias Pettersson with one of the goals of the year so far. Definitely a candidate for the Vancouver Canucks. And Thatcher Demko having to make a lot of saves in front of his team. But... uh, a definitely a very big win for the Vancouver Canucks on Broadway. Yeah, I think when I look at storylines in this one, you mentioned Elias Pettersson on the highlight reel goal. Uh, the fact that Lotto Line was uh, start to finish in New Jersey the other night, eight points then, and they back it up with eight more. <laughs> so 16 points from those three players on consecutive nights, or at least consecutive games, against the Devils, and now the Rangers. Uh, Elias Pettersson with the one for the highlight reel. Nils Hoaglander doing his part as well. And so, top of the lineup, there was star power for days, and it was on display on both sides, and some beautiful goals scored in this hockey game. But really, when you boiled it right down... Depth came through for the Vancouver Canucks tonight uh, in the form of Nils Hoaglander, who was set up niftily by Nils Amon for a big goal that gave the Canucks a lead that they wouldn't relinquish. You mentioned Thatcher Demko. A good bounce-back game for him. I know he gives up three. Again, the Rangers have top-end talent, and a couple of those wrist shots are going to be a lot of National Hockey League goaltenders. So I think, for me, it was more a case of the saves Demko made when he made them. He was busy. He was under pressure. Again, was there to sort of hold down the fort. And I know he doesn't face the guy at the other end, but there's a goalie there with all sorts of accolades. And at the end of the night, Thatcher Demko uh, comes up with stops. Igor Shosturkin, Canucks were able to get five past him, plus the empty netter. So uh, Demko certainly will take this victory, move on as the Vancouver Canucks reach the 40-game mark with an impressive record of 26-11-3. And And when you look at their 20-game splits, Again, at the 20-game mark, I think a lot of us thought, this is incredible, what a start for the Vancouver Canucks, but it's such a long season. Can they possibly sustain? The Canucks were 13-6-1 in their first 20 games. They were 13-5-2 in their next 20 games. So (laughs) it's balance. It is repeatable. And in fact, I mean, they only lose six outright games in the first 20. They lose five in regulation in these most recent 20 hockey games. So anyway, you slice it. 
I mean, it just it has turned into a remarkable, remarkable season for this hockey club. It's wild. They have more regulation wins at this point in the season right now than they did all of last year. <laughs> like, this team is doing something that a lot of people haven't seen in the National Hockey League. And when you look at it, you mentioned the balance and, and, and things like that. And we thought, you know, they go on this run early in the season. And then before American Thanksgiving, right? Or are they going to tail off? You go through Christmas. You know, they had that little blip in the schedule where they weren't playing too well. And then now, into the new year, they go up against elite teams and they put up an elite performance like here they did against the New York Rangers. I mean, I've heard people say the Canucks are a cup contender. I don't know if I'm ready to put it there just yet, but they're well on their way to being in that conversation, I think, if they keep doing things and keep consistent night in and night out. I think for me, and it came so early in the season, it was hard to judge exactly where the Canucks were at the time. But remember that Saturday night, early November, Dallas came to town, and I think the Stars were 7-1-1, and yep. the Canucks were 7-2-1, and or something like that. And we thought, okay, that one has the feel of a big game, something that's been lacking here in Vancouver for how long now? And the Canucks were solid that night. They blanked the Stars 2-0, and that was a pretty compelling effort, I thought, for them. You know, there have been others along the way, but where the Rangers are, the location, <laughs> Midtown Manhattan, Madison Square, on a night that's not all that busy around the National Hockey League. Like, lots of people would be looking in on this one. And the Rangers' power play, every bit as advertised in the early going, one of the storylines here was that the Canucks had to be disciplined. Best power play in the NHL coming into the game. And, of course, it torched the Canucks for three of the four goals that New York scored in an entertaining game at Rogers Arena back in late October. So the Canucks knew not only was discipline going to be key, but if the Rangers got power plays, penalty killers are going to have to be on best behavior. They killed a big one late, but man, that early one, they had the Canucks running around. It just felt inevitable that the puck was going to wind up yeah. in the back of the net. Thatcher Demko loses his stick, never recovered, and eventually they zip it around to Trocek, who scores three minutes and 38 seconds on the power play. Exactly the kind of start that the Rangers are looking for. Irf, this is one of the things that I really, really like about this Vancouver Hockey Club this year that I think is underappreciated to some degree because they open the scoring so often. They, they've opened the scoring in games more than any team in the National Hockey League. But on those rare nights when they don't, like this one, they respond less than a minute later, 53 yep. seconds, and, and you're not always going to do that. Yeah, they might give up the first goal. They so rarely give up the next one. And I know what people say about, oh, the 2-0 lead, worst lead in hockey. I'd still take my chances with a 2-0 lead every time out if I could get it. So rather than digging themselves a hole and having to claw out, we know they can score. They can erase deficits. That's not the issue here. It's not allowing the other team to build momentum, to get the crowd totally on board and into it. And so the Canucks respond less than a minute later. Oh, guess what? Two minutes after that, it's Lafferty to Amon to Hoaglander, who I don't <laughs> know how he got as wide open as he did, but big-time shot for him off the rush. And he'd been a little quiet of late, hadn't scored since a deflection goal in Nashville before Christmas. It had been six games. He was playing higher in the lineup, then he got dropped, and there was talk one of the games after Christmas that he was going to come right out of the lineup. Yep. And then you see his value in that lineup. Scores his first. It was a big one. It put the Canucks in front and then uh, got the one late in the second period as well. That was the one we were talking about between the legs, around Adam Fox and, and in. And at that point, uh, extended the Canucks' lead, makes it 5-2 to two as they go to the locker room after 40 minutes of play. So, big night for Elias Pettersson, big night for Nils Hoaglander. First night that we've seen the Canucks with their prescribed top 6D all in the lineup together since the trade of Nikita Zadorov, who didn't play the other night but was back in the lineup and Noah Juleson had to take a seat. 
They give up shots. Score effects, certainly in that third period, the Rangers out shooting the Canucks 14-5. to Canucks didn't need more offense at that point. They just had to try to lock it down. Although when Trocek scored off the rush three and a half minutes into the third, you know, the way the Rangers can score, you thought, okay, we saw what happened in Jersey the other night. You didn't want the Canucks to allow the Rangers to get some life and be back in the hockey game. And I thought, uh, for the most part, did a pretty good job of that after Trocek had scored to make it 5-3. to three. Well, that was the biggest thing for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, we talked about it before. Their lead, you know, when leading after two periods, they don't lose games. You know, 23-0 <laughs> and 0 now. And it's that mentality, I think, where you, you need to close games out. You don't give them the middle of the ice at all. You Everything is in wide. As long as Thatcher Demko sees, sees it, more often than not, he's going to stop the puck, uh, especially in third periods of hockey games and again Jeff I think one of the biggest things was they stayed out of the penalty box you know they, you, you mentioned the one that they killed late was Philip Ronick you don't give teams with good power plays a chance to get on the power play and I think that that was a message from Rick Talk and his coaching staff heading into the game they took the penalty early they get burned there and then they were pretty disciplined for the rest of the game obviously you know maybe a little bit of an iffy call but a slash is a slash for Ronick in the box killed the penalty and boom the game's over you're able to close that one out Elias Pettersson with the empty net back to that Hoaglander goal I thought that play from P.S. Suter. Just, he got the puck. He could have kept going to the net, but that little backhand, maybe a little sauce on it, but just to get it to Hoaglander, I thought that was maybe a little bit underrated play by him. But all in all, a, a great effort from the Vancouver Canucks, I think. You know, you, you mentioned going down one nothing. The line that went out right after that was the line that scored the goal. It was this love the lotto line, you know, the 649 line and, you know, Miller, Besser and Pedersen and, you know, Rick Tockett went to them right away. You know, you go down and you get to them and then what happens right right there? You get the momentum, put the puck in the net and then look what happens to the rest of the game. Yeah. And and much like New Jersey the other night, like, you know, they weren't trying to be the Harlem Globetrotters no. out there. I just think you see the veteran savvy. They're all a little bit older, a little more mature, a little more experienced now. They know what they're capable of. And on that goal that ties it at one, Brock Besser, you know, kind of uh, out of the blue line, just reels it around the boards. And Elias Patterson, the vision, one step ahead of everybody else, instead of corralling the puck, he knows that JT's found the soft spot on the ice and just a simple little pass, but right in the wheelhouse. And JT Miller makes no mistake. And his 19th of the season, had to feel good, former Ranger, scored some goals at Madison Square. But that one, a big one, again, uh, with the start that the Rangers had, you didn't want them to pull away from you. And so the Canucks back on even terms there. And Elias Pettersson was just getting started. We'll get to our three stars a little later on. He's going to figure in them uh, pretty prominently, as he does on a lot of nights here. But you look at his night, Earth. Two goals, and yeah, okay, the empty net are great. Guy's up to 19 now at the midway mark. Like, he is right there on pace for 40 goals. Got to 39 last year. And if you're going to get to a high total in the National Hockey League... You need a couple of freebies along the way. You take the empty netters. You don't apologize for them. But the stat line on Elias Pettersson, two goals, two primary assists. So mm -hmm. he's in on four of the six Canuck goals, just engineering offense. And as we said, that lotto line has gone to town 16 points now in the last couple of games. Brock Besser off the rush. I thought that was a big goal too. 16 seconds remaining in the first period. So if the Rangers, you know, they're down 2-1, to one, and they like their start, but then it kind of gets away from them. They're probably okay if they can get out of the first period. They've outshot the Canucks 13-7 to at 2-1. to But Besser off the rush to the backhand. Thought he had 25 the other night. 
was overruled on the coach's challenge. This one was not coming back. No, I mentioned I gave Pia Suter his flowers. Elias Pedersen, you got to give him his flowers on that as well because he kind of stood there, waited a bit, hesitated, saw Besser go and made the nifty pass. And, you know, Besser scored a goal in a, in a different type of way again, going yeah. to the net and, you know, being able to beat a goalie. Elias Pedersen, 33 assists now on the season. Again, 350-point guys on this team. Just ridiculous. And you mentioned the two primary assists there, Jeff. I, I think for him now, I, look... He's hearing what people are saying. <laughs> Everyone is talking about the contract, what's going to happen. He hears, he listens, he reads. You know, We know that about Elias Pettersson, and now he's showing why he's going to get what he is going to get paid by the Vancouver Canucks or where else he's going to get paid by. But you know, a lot of people will hope it's the Vancouver Canucks. I think when you look at it, Brock Besser, 19 assists on the season as well. JT Miller, again, factoring in on the score sheet. That lotto line... I think Rick Tockett might have been a little hesitant to put it together because is he taking away offense from another line? But when they have nights like this and they're getting contributions from everyone, if that's sustainable, if this performance with that lineup can be sustainable and you have, you load up your that top line, they're going to be more a lot more successful on a lot more nights, Jeff. Yeah, and now that William Nylander uh, collected his, <laughs> yes. you know, if people were already talking about Patterson, it absolutely puts the spotlight on him as the next big contract come down the pipe in the National Hockey League. But, you know, to his credit, to this point in the season, the contract talk has, you know, it's been there, but it certainly hasn't weighed him down. And then you do wonder now if it's going to fuel him in some way. And if that's the case, then for the remainder of this season, that's probably a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks and not such a good thing for the rest of the National Hockey League. Because when he's on, when he's motivated, when he's driven, look out. We know what Elias Pettersson can do. And so, yeah, his little touch pass to Besser. Look, Quinn Hughes gets the secondary assist on that play. But if you go back and you watch, and there's so many examples of this almost every night, Quinn Hughes backpedaling inside his own blue line on that play. And just, you know, he, he waits and he draws guys to him until passing lanes open up and until his options are presented, and he's so patient and so confident, and that's what happens there is he's able to look off the Ranger forecheck and then just slide the puck up the boards to Elias Pettersson, Pettersson to Besser, and puck goes from their own zone to the back of the Ranger net in a hurry, and it all starts with the, the quarterback back there, Quinn Hughes, and he mentioned he's part of the 50-point club now. Never happened before in Canuck history to have three guys at the 50-point mark or better through 40 games. <laughs> and that's where they are. The Canucks will hit the midway mark of their season against the Islanders on Tuesday. But this is 40 games now, 26-11-3 on the season. They're back on another one of these incredible runs. Ten victories and two OTLs in uh, the last 14. They're 10-2-2 two two in their last 14 hockey games. So... You keep thinking, you know, are they going to lapse at some point? Will they take a step back? And we've seen that even though for a five-game stretch there, right out of the Christmas break, it was win one, lose one. It's kind of like November where they alternated wins a lot. Like, if that's the dip in their performance, then they're going to be difficult to catch because we've seen the Los Angeles Kings have started to fade a little bit. Vegas has run into some injury problems. They've fallen off the pace, and all the Canucks find ways to do, it seems, is win as they respond to the loss in St. Louis to start the road trip. They're now 2-1, and one, and you know this was always going to be one of the tough ones. Going into the Islanders, uh, they're rested. They haven't played since Saturday, so that's not going to be easy back-to-back 3-4 and four for the Vancouver Canucks. Certainly a motivated Bo Horvat, although... You know, that game, I mean, it's the third time now that uh, he has faced his former team, but you know that he always wants to score against them still. So that'll be a challenge, but this was a challenge 
uh, against the Rangers, and the Canucks absolutely aced this test. Six to three is the final score. Two for Patterson, two for Hoaglander, Miller, and Brock Besser, your goal scorers. For the Rangers, it was Trocek with a pair, and Artemi Panarin, and that's where I come back to all this star power, top end, top end, but the Rangers, all three of their goals come from their best players. Nothing from the depth department there to get two goals from Nils Hoaglander, you know, huge for the Vancouver Canucks. And it wasn't just Hoaglander. Hoaglander scores, mm-hmm. you know, he, he gets the glory. But you mentioned Suter, Teddy Bluger with a little bump past Pedersen on the highlight reel goal there. So he gets in on the scoring. And look at this Canucks defense. I mean, they've been doing it all season long, led by Quinn Hughes, who got that 50th point. But Philip Horonic had a pair of assists. Tyler Myers gets a helper. Uh, on the empty netter as well. So the Vancouver Canucks defense chipping in and absolutely adding that another layer of offense from the back end for this hockey club that uh, comes up big at Madison Square. Interesting, too. I do think, even though Nils Amon takes the penalty early in the hockey game and the Rangers torch the Canucks, coming into the night, I think if you had said to Rick Tockett, your team's only going to take two penalties, he probably signs off on that. Yeah. The fact that the only two penalties in the <laughs> hockey game were taken by the Vancouver Canucks and early and, and Hironic late, Irv, this is weird. Like I, I, The Canucks are this high-scoring machine that can't get a call right now. No power plays in this hockey game. One in each of their last three. They've had the man advantage three times in their last four Hockey games. Yeah, it's wild. And they're scoring goals in bunches without the power play. And I think that I know their power play was ridiculous early in the season and and no one would have thought that it was going to be as effective as it was. But, you know, I'm not saying they're not doing enough to get calls or maybe it's the way the game is being officiated a little bit differently. And you look at this Vancouver Canucks team, but the way that they're putting the puck in the net, who needs the power play, to be honest? Well, and it's crazy to think. Like, Quinn Hughes is at 50 points. I I think... Two or three of them have come with the power play in the last 20 games. Like, if the power play had stayed anywhere close to as hot as it was in the early... What, do you have 60 or 65 points right now? Like, you do wonder. And the other thing, and it's fair to ask, I mean, Elias Pedersen got to 100 points, and then some got to 102 last year. JT Miller uh, was knocking on the door of 100 a couple years ago. He certainly looks like he's going to crest the century mark this time around. Quinn Hughes, 50 points, 40 games. Does he get to 100? Yeah, we talked about this. I think it's 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 achievable. I just don't know, like, you know, as well, if if they cement their playoff spot with 10 or 15, I know you know I've talked about this, 10 or 15 games left in the season, or, or do they rest him a little bit? Is that, we're going to get into those that situation where, is it going to be the Quinn Hughes chasing the Century Club, or is it going to be, because, you know, there's still some pretty good defensemen out there that are going to try and, you know, be right on his tails for the Norris Trophy, but... It's it's definitely an achievable stat, and I mean, if they do eventually start getting power plays, Jeff, <laughs> then then that then that stat might just go right back up there. Eric Carlson got to 101 last year yeah. in San Jose. I think the second half of that season, it was all about Eric Carlson, <laughs> right? The Sharks didn't care about results; it was just they wanted Carlson to be in on every goal that they scored. Which again, to me, underscores how impressive Quinn Hughes getting to 50 points in 40 games when his team is 26, 11, and three, and it's not about. You know, making sure that every second touch is Quinn Hughes so he finds his way onto the score sheet. That's not what this has been about at all. It was just early on, he was controlling games. I thought he did a nice job of that in New Jersey the other night. And look, through 40 minutes of this hockey game, when Hughes and Ronick were on the ice as a pair, the Canucks were up 5 nothing. Yeah. Now, they were on the ice for the Trocheck goal in the third period. 
Uh, we won't hold that against them. It's not really a blemish on their night in any way whatsoever. But again, it just shows. And even in the first period where the shots were 13-7, to 7, at even strength in the opening 20 minutes, when Quinn Hughes was out on the ice, the shots were 5-2 in the Canucks' favor, and he was on the ice for all three of the goals. So I've said this before. To me, his superpower is just being able to tilt the ice in the Canucks' favor. And I think we have seen him do that the last couple of nights. And uh, it's just it's, it's exciting to watch when that's the case. This was a fun game. The game here against the Rangers was fun. I think people would be on board if uh, somehow, some way, these two teams, uh, 30 years on from 1994 in the spring of 2024, uh, if these two were on a collision course, uh, we'll, uh, there's, there's a lot of ground to cover, obviously, between now and then. But just stylistically, the way that they played, and to the Canucks' credit, uh, I, I think you know they were probably, even though they didn't get a power play, I think they were happy enough that the refs kept it at 5-on-5 five five because... The Rangers didn't score a 5-on-5 goal at Rogers Arena in October, and their first one here was on the power play. I mean, it took them four and a half periods to score a a goal 5-on-5 against the Vancouver Canucks this season. They ultimately got a pair, but, you know, the Canucks take three of four off the Rangers, and so that's a a good sign for them. Fair bit of momentum now as they turn around and go over to Brooklyn to take on the New York Islanders on Tuesday, and of course we'll be breaking that one down then, but uh, still lots to get to here on this episode of Rinkwide Vancouver. We've got our three-star selection. We'll get inside the locker room and hear from the coach and and some players. So we'll get to the stat that stands out, some listener feedback as well, and a thought or two on what is to come. Also want to get your thought, Earth, on what you saw from the top six uh, as they were laid out. And Rick, I thought Rick Tuckett had some interesting comments after the morning skate, uh, a game where he's trying to float this notion that this could be a rotation and that some of the guys uh, may have to get on board with not playing every game the rest of the way. So uh, we'll get into that uh, a fair bit to discuss here. But overall, a terrific night for the Vancouver Canucks. Back-to-back wins, New Jersey, the Rangers, and they'll go for the sweep of that uh, tri-state area. I guess it's two states. <laughs> two New York teams. Three teams in that New York area. You know what I'm talking about. Canucks full value for the 6-3 victory over the Rangers on Monday night. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Vancouver Canucks 6-3 winners at Madison Square. And again, as you look at the success of this hockey club, and we've mentioned the fact that you know, some of the teams around them are scuffling a little bit. Like in the Pacific Division, Earth, the Vancouver Canucks have opened a nine-point gap on Los Angeles. Now Vegas is in between there, but they're four clear of Vegas, even games played. 
Los Angeles has four games in hand, but the Kings are going the opposite direction here. All of a sudden, the Canucks are nine points up on the Los Angeles Kings. So even if the Kings won all of their games in hand, they'd still be three back of the Vancouver Canucks, and games in hand are just that. Uh, no guarantee you're going to collect every point available to you. They're out on a road trip now that's taking them down. They lost in Washington. They're in uh, Tampa and Florida here, so those won't be easy games for the LA Kings. And as we said, when you're 10-2-2 two and two in your last 14, like you are making up ground on just about every team that isn't the Winnipeg Jets these days. Plus 50 <laughs> goal differential for the Vancouver Canucks. Are we going to start looking at this team as it goes through here the end of January and into February and saying, okay, we know we're going to make the playoffs. Can they win the division? I think that's where we are now. How good can they be? Can they be good enough to win the President's Trophy? Right now they can. Sure. I mean, they're in that conversation. And as crazy as that sounds, given the expectations at the outset of the season, like who had Winnipeg atop the standings and who had the Canucks right there knocking on the door. But at the midway mark, yes, they are right there. And with the offensive exploits of these top players... I mean, they're showing no signs of slowing down. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here for the Vancouver. The fact that we're talking about that at the 40-game mark, though. It's, it's wild. It really it really is. Uh, look, we talked about the fact that uh, Rangers power play got them the early one, but the response from the Vancouver Canucks, we mentioned that JT Miller thought that was a huge part of this hockey game. I mean, they got one on the power play, and we didn't let that shake us at all. I think we pushed back, and that's kind of where we're trying to get to as a team is having you know a higher maturity level one. Being more comfortable, we talk about being in those situations on the road with the lead, and then that's going to happen, you know, where we want to play at the end of the year. So, um, you know, it's, that's a big win for us, and we know that, and it feels good, but short-lived because we got another hard, hard game tomorrow, obviously. And look, you, you listen to Miller there. We're not the only guys here talking about the playoffs. To hear JT talking about, you know, against good teams on the road because later in the season they're going to be in those positions of trying to protect leads. Like he knows that these guys know that they have done enough now that the bottom would absolutely have to fall out on the Vancouver Canucks. Don't see that happening. I think the players recognize the value in a win like this one against a good team in a building that can be imposing. Yeah. Maturity. We mentioned that growth experience, all of these little things are now starting to show themselves as to what Rick Tockett and his coaching staff are trying to implement to this group. And, you know, JT is a guy that he himself had to mature in his hockey career. So he knows exactly what it takes to be a professional and be put in different situations to try and close out games. Now, taking that on to guys like Elias Pettersson and guys like Quinn Hughes, who is now the captain of this team, and even down to, you know, some of the other guys that really haven't been in these situations before. It, it, It is definitely that. And, you know, good for JT for recognizing that. But it's more on Rick Tockett and his staff for being able to, you know, put that into those guys. Well, we mentioned the big night for Elias Patterson. You're going to hear his name here in a sec when we get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. But uh, I have to appreciate he's got the dry sense of humor. Uh, he was asked how much fun it is to be back with the lotto line. Uh, it's just so fun talking about it, uh, talking about the line. <laughs> No, but it's uh, we play good. I think uh, we understand each other in the way I think how we want to defend and forecheck, and that sets up good chances offensively for us. And uh, I think that's a, a big reason for us why we have success now. <laughs> you can tell right off the top, loves just loves talking about the lotto line. Hundred <laughs> percent. 
didn't sound all that convincing. But the play on the ice, absolutely. Uh, 16 points for those three guys in two games in Jersey. And now against the New York Rangers, beware, New York Islanders. You're next on the hit list here as the Canucks uh, head over to the island. All right, just before we get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection, got to get to our Betway bet of the day. And among the games on the Tuesday docket in the National Hockey League, Boston at Arizona. Coyotes have lost three straight, but prior to that, they had won six of seven. Now, they get the Bruins on the back half of back-to-backs. Can get the Desert Dogs at 235 on the money line. They are home underdogs. Uh, We'll see how that thing plays out. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. All right, to the three stars we go. The three stars in the building as selected by attending media, says the game sheet. Elias Pettersson, Nils Hoaglander, and Vincent Trocek. And I think we're going to mirror that, aren't we? I mean, Petey with the two goals and the two primaries. uh, Pretty easy selection, I think, is uh, star number one. Hoaglander with two goals. Again, had gone quiet, hadn't scored since before Christmas, but uh, nice effort from him. And just, I love the hands on that first one. Like, you know, that's not an easy goal to receive that pass and just roof it on... You know, a guy that's one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League, so that should do a world of good for for Nils Hoaglander because that line with Lafferty thought they had a bit of a tough night the other night in Jersey defensively. They're out for the only goal against uh, in Saint, or in the third period in St. Louis, so the game winner by Robert Thomas. So there had been a couple of nights where things hadn't been going their way, but uh, and then Amon takes the early penalty in this hockey game, and you thought, uh-oh, not the way you want to start. But Nils to the rescue, at least uh, one of the Nils to the rescue, Nils Hoaglander, second star. And, and look, Vinny Trocek's having a fine season among the league leaders in face-offs. He's part of uh, that power play that just lights out good in the early going. He scores twice in the second of his two. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> like, there's nothing anybody can do. At some point, I don't care who you cheer for. You look at that and say, "Wow, that was." Just, he picked his spot, and he couldn't have put it in a in a better place in the back of the net. And I mean, Demko just. I mean, you got to tip your cap yep. or whatever you want to Trocheck there. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you on the other two stars. Leo Pedersen dominating the game, and uh, Niels Hoaglander, you know, with a couple of goals, fourth time in his career he's had a multi-goal game for Niels. Uh, Brock Besser, a couple of points yeah. for him, 25. I thought it was a, a strong night, and uh, after having the 25th taken away from him the other night, you know, he had gone four without a goal, which was no reason for panic. It just was notable because he had one stretch earlier the season where he went five without scoring, and how did he end that? Back-to-back two-goal games. So, you know, that's how you do it. That's how you get to uh, a big goal total, and uh, I'm sure uh, there are a lot more to come for him, but... Uh, you know, four probably felt like an eternity, especially with a little Christmas break in there. But Brock Besser up to his 25th. I thought he had a, a decent night. Now, in saying that, you know, he also turned the puck over at the offensive line on the Panarin goal. And that wasn't his finest moment. The giveaway and then the, the effort to get back in position. But again, all three of those guys on the lotto line were going strong. Philip Hironik, two assists. He's up to 30 helpers on the <laughs> season. So uh, he's going to get paid too. We know that. Uh, and nights like this one are going to help him. And again, I just think start to finish. Uh, hard to find passengers. And even if we're looking like Thatcher Demko, we talked about him, but I, I think some honorable mention there as well as we look at uh, the three stars in this hockey game. I would think he sits down against the Islanders, but uh, another test coming up on Thursday as the Canucks move on then to face the Penguins and the, the season that he's having. I would think that it's to Smith against the Islanders and probably come back to to Demko on Thursday. Quickly, I know that obviously we can talk about this ad nauseum, but you know, you, you you talk about big wins in a season. You know, they, they've had a few in 
the tail end of 2023. You go into 2024, like, is this as big of a statement win as they've had so far this season? Yeah, no, I would agree. As was as one of their biggest wins, yeah. I, I think so. I, you know, I, again, you play the team in front of you on any given night, yeah. right? You don't control the schedule. Like, this is what excites me about the second half, though, for the Canucks is the four against Los Angeles, three against Vegas, three against Winnipeg. They don't see Winnipeg until the middle of February, so they've still got three. They've got two left with Colorado, two against Boston. Like, there are a lot of games like this one against the Rangers that are going to have buildup that I think will have excitement in amongst the fan base and in the market. And if the Canucks perform like they do uh, here, you know, but to this point in the season and really since Rick Tockett took over, yeah, absolutely. I think this win is right up there on a short list of the best performances and ultimately the best outcomes for the Vancouver Canucks. Still ahead, we've got the stat that stands out. We'll get to some listener feedback, see what you thought about this one and what jumped off the page at you and a thought or two on another battle against Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders. It's all still ahead here on Rinkwide Vancouver. All Canucks in this one, 6-3 over the Rangers. Jeff and Earth back with you as we carry on here. Rinkwide Vancouver ahead of uh, the final game in this uh, New York City area. They'll take on the Islanders on Tuesday. Time for our stat that stands out. And anytime you're playing back-to-back three and four, uh, important to be able to rest some guys if and when you can. And I think another uh, impressive part about this victory against the Rangers, Earth, is you look at the final stat sheet, Quinn Hughes. 21 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. We talked about his dominance in this game and the the way that his fingerprints were all over it. And he's able to do that in just a shade over 21 minutes. So, you know, for a guy that has played upwards of 28, 29 at times when the Canucks have needed him, uh, I mean, this was a walk-in Central Park, if you will, for uh, <laughs> for Quinn Hughes, and uh, he should be ready to go again against the Isles on Tuesday night. Well, absolutely. And I think when you can get all of your defensemen not playing as much as you have to and the ability to do it and close games in that roundabout way, like you mentioned, you're going to be successful as a team. And I think that when you look at Rick Talkin and what we kind of laughed at what he said of, of by committee yeah. early in the season of this this team and this and this decor is going to have to do it together. You know, you have Quinn Hughes being the superstar. Yes, Ronick is playing with him and he's, you know, putting up ridiculous numbers with Quinn Hughes. And mind you, Quinn Hughes did a lot for a lot of other players as well. But it's the other guys, Tyler Myers, you know, Kirsten Susie, guys like Ian Cole being able to get bigger minutes and elevated time on the ice, you know, in closing game situations. And when you look at it, it really is by committee. I, I laughed. I think a lot of us did when Rick Tockett said that and, and, and said, OK, beyond, you know, Quinn Hughes, what really do they have? The knock was the defense for years on this team. And finally, now they have one. They can put out guys every single night and be able to finish hockey games like the way that they are. Man, look at this. Another stat that stands out to me across the board. Carson Soucy, 18 minutes and 46 seconds in the hockey game tonight. Philip Ronick was the high ice time man, 21-19. You go down the list. Quinn Hughes, so I guess Quinn was the high guy at 21-49. Tyler Myers, 19-25. Ian Cole was 19-53. And Nikita Zadorov, 18-27. I mean, they're, they're basically three minutes between the low man and the high man. And that's the luxury you have. And again, much of this game played at five on five. So it wasn't like you leaned on, 
you know, your penalty killers, uh, they weren't under siege in that third period. Power play obviously didn't get any minutes in this hockey game. To be able to sort of spread the ice that evenly across the board should serve them well as they move on for the third game in four nights. Which brings us to this question of what did you make of the top six, the way that they were able to roll out the, their big six uh, for the first time since Nikita Zadorov was acquired from Calgary at the, the start of uh, December. And... How much do you believe Rick Tockett when he says he'd like to, at some point over the second half of the season, get into a little bit of a rotation to keep Noah Juleson in the lineup to allow him to play, but also maybe a little bit of load management for some of those veteran guys. Tyler Myers turns 34 on February the 1st. A couple of weeks after that, Ian Cole turns 35. You know, do these guys have to play every single night over the second half of the season? Well, I think that's the biggest thing. You mentioned the load, load, load management and the age of some of those defensemen, and I think that the Canucks have afforded themselves to be put in a position now where you can have Tyler Myers rest on a night. You can have a guy like Ian Cole not play on a night and bring in Juleson to, like your point, make him or keep him fresh and keep him keep him you know in in hockey shape or in game shape, so he's not sitting in the press box for too long. And then if they cement their playoff spot you know with five or ten games in the season is a guy like Quinn Hughes not going to play you know are, are they going to load management some of those guys but the credit's all to the Vancouver Canucks for banking all of these wins yeah. so early in the season to be able to do this we wouldn't be having this conversation if they didn't do that you know if they were fighting around where the LA Kings are for you know getting into the playoffs or if they had the same record if they were where the Oilers were we'd be saying not not a chance but Credit to them and credit to what they've been able to do and what they've been able to accomplish because that can't be overstated at this point in the season. You know, having guys be able to only play 21 minutes a night against a very good New York Ranger team and be able to blow them out on their own home ice. So it's an interesting conversation that we're going to have to have as the more games come fast and furious here as we get into February. We're going to have the break at the All-Star, but February, March, there's a lot of hockey that needs to be played, also a lot for the rest of this month. So... If a guy like Noel Juleson gets in against the New York Islanders, don't call yourself surprised. Let's just put it that way. It's it's just one of those things. I know you're not probably going to want to change anything, but never know. You know, he, he could be playing tomorrow night. Yeah, I think uh, that'll be interesting. It'll be sort of the first test of Tockett and his uh, theories here of, uh, you know, getting team buy-in, and we'll see. And if Juleson does play, yeah. who comes out of the lineup uh, Nikita Zadorov was out the other night. They said nagging injury, but uh, <laughs> you know, didn't look any worse for wear as he got back in and, and played. And, and again, full credit to the defense and full team effort here. As we get inside uh, our uh, listener feedback channels here at Rinkwide Van, we were asking you what impressed you the most about the Canucks 6-3 win over the Rangers. Uh, Tockett's cheekbones says they humiliated the Rangers in their own building with ease. This game was a proving ground. It's official. They are undeniably a contender at the 40-game mark. Tockett's cheekbones saying that's it. Canucks are contenders. Scott Whale says, holy cow, was that EP40's best goal ever? Ever? I honestly go back to his first one. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to go back to it. Just the way it happened, that shot, the moment, everything, the buildup. This one was sick. I mean, he takes the shot, comes, goes back and forth. I, I, I did like the goal. It was, it was fantastic, but... I still go back to the first one because that was sick. Yeah, first shot on goal in yeah. the National Hockey League, uh, home debut or NHL debut, and ripped it uh, against Calgary. Cordelia says, total team effort. Demko was super sharp. Refs weren't going to help them at all, so they had to do it the hard way. When the Rangers scored that third goal, could have let nurse seep in, but they maintained composure and did what they had to do. And I think that now, as this team moves forward, 
you know, we are going to be looking for those types of things. And even the other night against New Jersey, it got a little dicier than it probably ought to have. But Thatcher Demko was better in this game than he was against the Devils the other night. And just overall, they're the Rangers. They're one of the top teams. Of course, they were going to push. They got the one, but I, I thought at 5-3, to three, I, I did. I liked the way the Canucks played there. There was just a level of sort of discipline and confidence and playing Tockett's, you know, structure and the guts of the ice and all those types of things that they <laughs> yeah. like to talk about. But but it was all there. It was on display for the Canucks, and ultimately uh, they were able to ride it out uh, to victory. Yeah, and I think when you look at it, you know, you mentioned when they got to 5-3, I, I think the biggest thing that we keep talking about, Jeff, for when you watch this team play is maturity. Like before, early on, you know, a lot of these guys are rookies and, you know, finding their way and what it takes to be professional and, you know, that comes with maturity, right? No one really looked like they were on their heels after the Rangers, even when they made it 5-3. I think there was no nervousness. It was calm. And I think it starts with the bench. If you have, you know, a guy like Rick Tockett yelling and screaming and barking at his guys, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down. You got a guy like JT Miller, you know, who's kind of like the coach when he's out there doing things. And you have guys like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and calming influence in the back of the net in, in Thatcher Demko. So it's the maturity level, I think, for this team that has grown beyond years and just this short season so far, and we're really seeing the benefits of it right now. And P-Bats says <laughs> the skill level was off the charts. Holy jumping, as uh, Howie Meeker would say. Yes, back in the day, Howie, uh, television analyst, for those that uh, don't remember Howie from his time on uh, Canucks broadcast and, and Hockey Night in Canada. But uh, holy jumping, the Canucks were jumping. Uh, again, I, I, I just, you know, over the course of 82 you're going to get a lot of games that look and feel the same and the entertainment value isn't where you'd like it to be for professional sports, but that's the nature of the biz. You know, a lot is asked of these guys uh, to bring it night in, night out, but there are games that uh, are going to stick with you for a while. And I just, in the second period there, when they were trading chances, I, I was like, sign me up. Let's just let them <laughs> keep playing. Play to 10 tonight. Whatever the case, like somebody said, it looked like three on three overtime just with all the skaters out there. And it sort of did. It was, you know, that much skill on the ice. Uh, I will say, you know, Jacob Truba, they, <laughs> the Canucks survived Jacob Truba. I think he had seven shots on goal. If I read the stat sheet, he had seven he had shots seven and shots 10 attempts. Yeah. Uh, it must have flung a lot of pucks to the net because I, I don't really remember Jacob Truba you know, testing Thatcher Demko all that dangerously. And look, you notice Truba when he catches guys in the railroad tracks and he's an honest player, shows up, plays hard. I'm not sure I'd want to play against him on the regular, but Adam Fox is the one that can take over games. And quite frankly, or if I just, I, you know, outside of Niels Hoaglander doing the old dipsy doodle around him. I mean, that was really the only time that I, I noticed Adam Fox in this hockey game. Yeah, Adam Fox wasn't very good in the game. I mean, 24 minutes of ice time, minus one, two shots on net. I mean, and he wasn't really noticeable. You know, he's on the wrong end of that Hoaglander play. And for a guy that has won the Norris Trophy, I do believe, you know, he's wasn't really their guy. And I, and I don't know if that's a credit to the Canucks or maybe they just let Truba be the big guy back there and take all the shots and do all the things. And maybe Fox's role has changed a little bit on that Ranger team. But... Yeah, when you have a guy that's as talented as Adam Fox is and you don't let him let loose and do what he does well that makes him successful, it's it's, it's a tough look if you're the Rangers. I mean, they are where they are in the standings, obviously getting contributions from their forwards who are ridiculous, but their defense is also, when you look at that Ranger defense of the guys that they have, you'd put up them up against anyone in the league on any given night. All right, so uh, an easy night of travel. Uh, as back-to-backs <laughs> go, the Canucks will rest up, although I think they're changing hotels because they... Their social team posted pictures of all the guys with their luggage outside of their Manhattan hotel. 
for people that don't know the New York landscape, the Canucks will move out onto Long Island to take on the Islanders Tuesday night at uh, UBS Arena. But uh, still relatively easy travel. They'll get in a decent sleep and should be ready to go. You'd have to assume that uh, Casey DeSmith gets the call on the back-to-backs here and allows Thatcher Demko to rest up, probably to return to the lineup on Thursday in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, anytime the Canucks face the Islanders, Bo Horvat's going to be front and center. I mean, that storyline's not going away anytime soon. He hasn't beaten the Canucks in his two games since the trade. The Canucks went in and beat the Islanders last year, right after. Remember, it was the third right game after. after the trade. And then uh, Quinn Hughes with the overtime dagger here uh, in November. It's interesting. I was looking at this earlier in the day. Uh, no team has left more points on the table in overtime and shootouts than the Islanders, who have 10 loser points on the season. So they play a ton of overtime. And maybe that's, I mean, they've got Barzell, but maybe it speaks to the fact that they just don't have enough game breakers in their lineup. Whatever the case, they keep games close, but when they get to overtimes or shootouts, they haven't had a whole lot of success there. In all of that, Bo is having a decent season. He's one off the team lead in goals. Uh, Brock Nelson leads the Islanders 17 goals. Sorvet has 16. Matt Barzell leads the team with 40 points. And Bo has 39. So he's right there knocking on the door in both of those uh, offensive categories. And uh, I'm sure he'll be up and, and ready to go. And they haven't played since Saturday. So they're going to be rested. And again, the Canucks, it'll be 3-4 and four for them. But uh, as back-to-backs go, the travel's not an issue. And... Canucks should be feeling good about themselves. I mean, they come off two pretty damn good efforts here against the New Jersey and, and now the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the loser points for the Islanders. Isn't that just not as such an Islander stat when you look at <laughs> how the team's been the last couple of yeah. seasons? It's just so New York Islanders to you know have those games when they, they fight their way back in the third period of hockey games. They're relentless. There's the, they're the comeback kids of, of New York, but... They just can't get the extra point. They just can't win hockey games. And yes, maybe it is because they don't have that superstar. Obviously, Matthew Barzell probably is, but there's not anyone that really jumps off the page on that roster. But should be a fun one tomorrow night. I mean, Bo, you know, he's going to be jacked up for it. And the Vancouver Canucks, you know, I think going to bed tonight, they go and say, why can't we win tomorrow? Why, yep. why can't we beat the Islanders? We should be able to beat them. And that's the message and mindset that, that they definitely should have. Islanders have been to overtime 14 <laughs> times this season. Uh, they're three and seven in games that have been decided in three on three, and then one and three in shootouts. So uh, there you go, four and ten in games beyond regulation. Will they play a fifteenth tomorrow? They went to OT here uh, when they met back in November. All right, uh, a good night for the Vancouver Canucks as they reach the forty game mark. Again, their record at twenty six, eleven and three. Man, it's hard to argue with that. Just eleven outright losses in their first forty hockey games this season, and ten two and two as they pack up from Madison Square and head to the island. Uh, we'll be back with another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver after the Canucks and the Islanders. So we're already looking forward to that one. But thanks to everybody for making a rink-wide part of your day here as we break down uh, each and every one of these Vancouver Canucks games. Uh, again, Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway.